Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for all you're allowing us to do. Uh, We thank you that as we went over the, the seven churches, we're not a dead church. What a blessing, Lord. We're not a dead church. There's things happening. Your Holy Spirit is moving. Your Holy Spirit is inspiring. Your Holy Spirit is guiding and strengthening us. This is not via our own power. Even as Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Father, we realize that. And so we thank you and praise you for your Holy Spirit inspiring us. And we don't want to become stale. We don't want to become routine. So even as we end a year and start a new year, give us wisdom, give us discernment. If there's any ministry that needs to be pulled, show us. If there's a new ministry that needs to take place, show us. We just want to be obedient, Lord. And Father, continue to use us in these evil days. As we see it getting darker, that just means we can burn brighter. So, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Even as you study the scriptures this morning, fill us afresh that we'll burn bright this week. The world's going to hell. We're going to heaven. Help us to take somebody with us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, let's turn to verse 1. Revelation chapter 6. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals... And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. Very important. Notice he's war is going to be starting in the very beginning of the great tribulation. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, and this is John the Apostle, It's in the early 90s. We believe that John is in his late 80s or early 90s at this point. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius. And that would be a day's wage. And three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So in the last days, it's going to get so desperate that pricing is going to be out of control. Hmm, that'll never happen in America, right? When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, And Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. This We believe this is the beginning. We believe here at Calvary chronologically that this is the beginning of the Great Tribulation. This is probably within the first two years, 18 months to two years, of the Great Tribulation. This is taking place... 
And now we read that a fourth of the world's population has died. Has died. We'll talk more about that. Now let's get into our text this morning. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Notice this. Slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So who would that be? That's not the world. Those are the saints. The saints. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants, notice, fellow saints, fellow Christians, and their brethren who would be killed as they were, and I have these last two words highlighted in my Bible, I encourage you to have a paper Bible, encourage you to highlight, to underline, to mark it up, it's not blasphemous. It's not sacrilegious. It's your book. It's your Bible. Mark it up. Make notes. I have these last two words. Was completed. Was completed. You see, the last time we were in Revelation, we looked at the beginnings of God's coming righteous judgments upon a Christ-rejecting world. You see, it's not going to be a pretty sight, but it is one that is totally justified. Feel free to get a previous CD on this chapter as to why I said those things, why I say that. We learn in verse 8 that one-fourth of mankind were destroyed. And just to give you an idea of what that might look like, let's say that there's one billion Christians that are raptured. That would be wonderful. The one billion. So we have eight billion minus one billion, okay? One billion got raptured. That leaves seven billion people on the face of the earth. The church, the bride of Christ, has been taken home. One-fourth of those are killed, probably within the 18- to two-year period of the Great Tribulation. That equals one billion seven hundred and fifty million people are going to die in the first 18 to 2 years, I'm just throwing that number out there, I won't argue with you, but I, roughly, are going to die in the Great Tribulation. We have no concept. We understand man's wrath. As I've shared with you before, they estimate 100 million people died in the 1900s from wars. 100 million. 100 million. Over 100 years. In the first two years, 1,750,000,000 people are going to die from the what? The wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of God, not the wrath of man. And that's why we believe here at Calvary Chapel that we're not appointed unto God's wrath. Yes, it rains on the just and the unjust. Yes, Christians are martyred on a daily basis, unfortunately, on this earth because of the faith. But that's man's wrath. The great tribulation is going to be God's wrath. See, now there's no question that God extends grace and mercy to all of mankind, but he is also just and will judge mankind accordingly. Because you might be thinking, sitting there thinking, well, wow, why would God do such a thing? The world would rather focus on the love of God and then ask this. When anything traumatic happens, 
What does the world most of the time say, especially if you're a believer and you're around them? Where is God? Where is your God? If you serve a loving God, why would he allow this to happen? They immediately acknowledge that there is a God. And if he is a God of love, why would he allow this to happen? That's a good question. Gives us an opportunity to share. But the word clearly teaches us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do you know what the greatest revival is in the Old Testament? Go home and read the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is the greatest revival in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. An unwilling prophet that wanted God to fry all the Ninevites reluctantly went and preached... The whole city repented from the king on down. And Jonah went up on a hill after it was all said and done, hoping that God was still going to fry him. He wasn't rejoicing that God used him. He wasn't rejoicing that they all got saved. He was still praying. What was Jonah dealing with? Prejudice, Jonah. You're prejudiced. You hate the Gentiles. And guys, this is who Jesus referenced in the New Testament, Jonah. See, none of us have arrived, have we? And God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's reaching out. So those in the world who would accuse God of injustices need a relationship with Him to understand just how gracious He has been, still is, and as we're going to see today, is going to be. You see, God will never ever, never turn anyone away who had looked in for salvation. And that's a biblical fact. Now, if you've been raised in a certain religion, you might think, oh no, they need to belong to my religion. No, they do not. Debug the program. Anyone, in whatever state they're in, don't, you, don't, you don't clean a fish before you catch it, do you? God takes anybody, anybody, you want to see Jesus as your Savior? Yes. You're welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Let's also remember, though, that the Holy Spirit will still be here working on every human soul just like he does right now. And how do I know that? Well, we just read 9 through 11. How many people are here? We're going to learn that it's an innumerable multitude after the rapture has taken place. This is after the rapture has taken place where these seals are being broken. So the Holy Spirit is still doing a work. You see, Ezekiel thirty-three eleven says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Unfortunately for many Christians, when they start looking at Revelation and thinking about Revelation, they start to almost drool. Oh, God's going to kill them all. This is going to be so great. That's not God's mentality. So if, if you were maybe programmed that way from the church you were in, you need to debug the program. That's not God's mentality. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? How about 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3, 9? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. When's Jesus coming back? I want to come back today. But if somebody could get saved today, don't come back. 
but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. That word perish there is not death. Ten out of ten people, the CDC got this right. Ten out of ten people still die. But this word perish is eternal separation from God, not just dying. Eternal separation from God. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now the influence of the Christian church as a whole will be gone. And if you'd like to get an idea of what that might look like, we mentioned this three weeks ago, but I want to put it up to today, if you're new here. Just think about what would happen in this country if every police officer, and we're seeing what's happening in the last three years, correct, with the whole defund the police project? But if all 700,000 were removed in one day, boom, 700,000 policemen, that's how many are estimated in America right now, were removed in one day, what would happen to this country? Or how about every pilot? Think of every pilot. If every pilot, for whatever reason, just stopped flying, how would that affect the globe? Every single pilot. Or how about every truck driver? You think all that food shows up in the store through magic? How about if every truck driver just not driving anymore, which is part of the agenda that's taking place? How about every doctor and nurse? How about if every doctor and nurse all of a sudden just gone? Do you think that's going to bring a little chaos to our culture, to the world? How about every politician? Oh, man, it was going so well. Sorry. Okay, so you guys get the idea. You guys get the idea. Yeah. Mass chaos within 24 hours would take place. Mass chaos. So how are people going to get saved via the Holy Spirit since the universal Christian church is no longer here? Well, by remembering what Christians warned them about prior to the rapture. So we should be talking about the rapture. Oh, they're going to mock me if I do that. Good. Plant the seed. That might be the seed that gets them saved after the rapture. Boo-hoo. You get, you get ripped a little bit. Who cares? There will be 144,000 Jewish witnesses which appear between the 6th and 7th seal. They are going throughout the world pointing people to Jesus. The two witnesses, we're not exactly sure when they appear. We know they're going to be here for three and a half years. But they will be pointing people to Jesus. Then the flying angel towards the end of the Great Tribulation will be pointing people to Jesus. This is probably the greatest amount of evangelism that has ever taken place. An angel. God is so merciful, so gracious, so loving, so kind. So you've got to debug the program. You've got to debug the program. Multitudes will get saved during the Great Tribulation. Again, how do I know that? Well, let's look at Revelation chapter 7 and get a spoiler alert. Revelation chapter 7, 9 through 14. John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. That's, that's meaning the whole world. That's, meaning, that's, that's the whole world. Standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne 
and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? So one of the elders asked John a heavenly question. And John fortunately says, and I said to him, sir, you know, in other words, I don't have a clue. It's okay to say you don't know. So somebody asks you a question about your Christian faith and you don't know, just say, you know what, I don't know. But I'm going to do some research, get an answer, and, and we'll go over it together. And do that. Take your Bible and go over it together with them. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Notice in verse 9, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. So is the Holy Spirit still going to be here doing a work? Absolutely. Absolutely. And washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. But, unfortunately, multitudes will perish without Christ as well. So our exhortation this morning is to do our part of spreading the gospel now and leave the rest of those up to God. Bottom line, not now as well as then. Everyone will get ample opportunities. Everyone. So when somebody accuses our God, your God, wake them up and let them know to receive Jesus as their Savior. You see, in this letter of Revelation, we've been going back and forth in John's vision about things that are happening in heaven as well as things on the earth. During the seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation, you see the Holy Spirit gave John the bigger picture of what's happening in both realms. It's a very unique situation that you and I get to partake of. We should really appreciate it. You see, once Jesus opened the fifth seal that we just read, verse 9, and when he opened the fifth seal, John's attention is brought back to heaven and he expresses what he sees. Verse 11 tells us that those that... that th- tells us who these saints are and what took place in their lives. We just read that. They are martyrs due to their stance for the gospel. These are what we would call tribulation saints. They're going to be tribulation saints. So now that we know who they are, we need to remember that John often uses the tabernacle as a reference point for his vision. And once again, he makes a use of that reference. In the tabernacle, or what is known as the court of the tabernacle, there was an altar of bronze. You need to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you'll see this played out, explained in great detail. Bronze is often symbolic of judgment in the Word of God. And as the Old Testament saints came to offer their animal sacrifices to God, they would present them to the priests, and then the priests would offer that sacrifice to God. Once a sacrifice was presented to God, the priest would offer up the animal and pour out the blood of the sacrifice at the base of this bronze altar. So John is telling us that these tribulation saints offered up their lives, their blood, as a living sacrifice, literally, literally. They were willing to die for the faith and their blood was poured out upon this earth by the enemy of our soul. 
So if you're here today or if you're listening on a CD, you definitely don't want to put off receiving Jesus as your Savior. Well, you might think, well, you know, I'm just going to wait until these things happen and then I'll receive Jesus as my Savior. One of the problems with that statement and the very most important part of that problem is, is you have no idea when you're going to die. You might die today. You might die before the Great Tribulation. You have no idea when you're going to die. The second problem is, if you can't accept Jesus as your Savior now, what makes you think you're going to accept Him then? If you're afraid of what your family is going to say about you now, what makes you think you're so sure and bold that you're not going to be afraid of what the whole world is going to say about you then? Because the whole world is now going to come against Christianity. We see it coming against Christianity right now. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Christianity is being attacked. And an AR is not going to save it. Being on our knees for Jesus is what's going to save the church. Forget the Constitution. You better know your Bible. You see, up to this present time in America, you're probably not going to be martyred for receiving Jesus as your Savior. But it will cost you your life during this period of history. It's best to receive Jesus now. Now notice that these saints acknowledge that God is holy and true even though they were martyred. You know, how often is God called into question by the world? I understand why the world would call God into question. But please be careful, church. Please be careful, Christian. You really want to look at your maturity level. And this isn't a put-down. This is just an exhortation. Look at your maturity level as a Bible-believing Christian, as well as by those within the church over his decisions. You're calling God? Into question? You, a mere human being, are calling God into question? But as these tribulation saints show us, God's decisions are based on His holiness, and those decisions have been established on what? The truth. We may not understand some of God's decisions. We may not agree with some of God's decisions. I can say that about myself over the decades. But we can know... We can look back. I can look back over 45 years. We can know that his decisions are always based on what? His holiness and the truth. His holiness and the truth. So a white robe was given to them. And as we've learned before, white is symbolic of purity. And it's important to understand that it was through the gospel that they became saints, not by their own religious works or deeds. You see, the blood's of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is what makes a person clean, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, In Him, speaking of Jesus, in Him we have redemption through His blood. There is no other way of getting redemption. Not being a Catholic, not being a Muslim, not being a Mormon, not being a Hindu, none of the isms are going to get you to heaven. It's only through the precious blood sacrifice of Jesus the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Notice as well in these verses that God knows the number at the end of verse 11 there was completed. God is such a God of intimacy. He knows the number of those who are going to die this way. He knows each and every one of his kids by name. And that song that 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 I played, you might not have caught it, but it says, your child. That song is not for the world. That song is for every Bible-believing Christian. Before I knew Jesus as my Savior, I was, according to the Word of God, I had the wrath of God abiding on me, and I was a child of the devil. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with your Bible. 
we're made in the image of God, but that does not make us a child of God. We become a child of God when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Then I become a child of God. Very, very important to remember that. Nobody, as I look at this verse and celebrated uh, 1 John's memorial yesterday, a little bit over 80 years old, 80 years old in a few weeks, was completed. Nobody misses their appointment, and every believer will be clothed in a white robe. The righteousness of Jesus covers our sinful nature, all of it, past, present, and future. Verses 12 through 14, I looked when he opened the sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Not totally destroyed, but moved out of its place. Cataclysmic. You can do a study on that. Just do a little bit of research on previous cataclysmic things that have happened on this earth where people thought the earth was, that it was done, we were done. Darkness, these various colors, um, the ripple effect. Do your own study. You can spend days studying that. You see, Jesus opens the sixth seal and John's attention is taken back to the earth where the great tribulation has already begun. With this seal, there are tremendous natural disasters that are going to take place. And this will not be the only time in Revelation that we see these events happening. But I find it interesting, what I, what, but what I find interesting are the next verses in 15 through 17. And the kings of the earth, notice this, the kings of the earth. Do you remember the oil and the wine? Don't touch the oil and the wine. The rich are going to have a season of still luxury. But now at this point, with this seal being opened, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man. This is mankind. Yes, ladies, it's only saying men. But as you look up this and you keep it in context, mankind, mankind hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from who? From the face of him, how would they know is from God unless there was a testimony on this earth that God was doing what he was doing? And that all the martyrs who we see in these verses are sharing because that's how they were martyred. They weren't secret Christians. They were proclaiming the word of God. There is a God. He sent his son. There is the Holy Spirit. You need to repent. The Antichrist is going to be saying, kill that person, kill that person, kill that person. That's blasphemy. Kill that person. They are testifying about God. And they say, follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, God the Father. How do I know it's God the Father? Just read the rest of the verse. And from the wrath of the Lamb. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? All judgment has been given to me. All judgment has been given to me. So Jesus is doing judgment time here. Why, verse 17? Again, they're saying this on the earth. For the great day of his wrath has come. 
Not man's wrath. God's wrath. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? As they're mocking God today, poking God in the eye, Remember, remember in Revelation 6, 6, how we saw that the oil and wine were not touched by the scarcity of food. But now this time comes. From kings to slaves, no one is now exempt from the natural devastation that has come upon the whole world. And in our previous verses, we had the saints worshiping the Lamb, and now we see the world doing what? What is the world doing? They're pleading with the environment. They are pleading with the environment. Fall on us. Fall on us. The saints are joyous in the presence of the Lord, but the unbelievers are totally afraid of him who sits on his heavenly throne. And I find it interesting that we have those who worship the environment now, but will ask the environment then to fall upon them. Romans 1, 24, 25 says this, and now this not, I'm not insinuating that we should not take care of our, the earth. So, no, we, need, we should take care of what God's given to us, but we should never do this. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That is what's happening in America. I don't know if you noticed or not, but this week, a famous man who was an advisor to Obama and Biden. He's up there. He's very recognizable. Said the greatest threat to America right now is not Al-Qaeda. It's Christian nationalism. It's the Speaker of the House. He said, he referenced, he said that. The threat is greater now than Al-Qaeda in America. What is he saying? The Speaker of the House, if you haven't seen his opening remarks, his opening speech, look it up. It's unbelievable. He points to God. He says this nation needs to come back to God. So what is this man saying about Christians? Every one of you in this room. You're worse than Al-Qaeda. That's a frontal attack, guys. Wake up. This is not a game. That's a frontal attack. What are they giving themselves up for? Why are we changing? Why is everything going crazy like it's crazy? And you can cry all you want. It's going to keep happening. Because we are going to get to Revelation 13 eventually, hopefully before you know, hopefully the rapture will take place. But if not, there is going to be a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. And we're seeing that take place. It's all coming together right now. It's all coming together who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore as the music team comes up. It's more important to save a beached whale than a child in the womb. The most dangerous place in America right now is in the womb of a woman. Men cannot have babies. Only women. It is the most dangerous place to be right now in America. Not being a Christian, being referenced to Al-Qaeda. Abortion. Are they calling that out? Oh no, that's a woman's right. She should be allowed to kill another human being. 
but that's where we're at. You see, this earth is not going to be saving anybody and those who worship it. Those who worship it will be crushed by it. And what are they asking the earth to do? As I've already said, to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. The unbelievers at this time of the Great Tribulation, the unbelievers are recognizing very early on in the, in the Tribulation that there is a God, that there is the Lamb, and we're doomed. Do they repent? <laughs> it's kind of mind-muggling. No, I'd rather die by a rock than repent. So, you know, don't get frustrated with your family members. Just keep planting, keep watering, keep fertilizing. God will reach them. And if they keep saying no, 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 that's between God and them, not you. We don't save anybody. We just water, we plant, we fertilize, and maybe we might have that opportunity to pray with someone to receive Jesus. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word that we see you are such a gracious God. We thank you and praise you that you have a plan and a purpose behind these things. This is not just a a fanciful time for you to punish people and squash them and watch them squirm. No, you're a loving God. You're a loving God trying to reach those who are left behind with the gospel. And then we've seen this morning that you you are going to reach a multitude, an innumerable multitude with the gospel after the rapture. So we thank you in advance. And Lord, we do pray for our family members as we enter another Christmas season and we have the parties and we go to the functions and, and some people don't want to talk about Jesus and some people don't want to hear about the Bible. Father, help us to lovingly share the gospel, as your word says to do. Speak the truth in love. Give us those opportunities, whether it's five seconds or five minutes or five hours, that will lovingly share about you and your grace and your mercy, but that you are just. Father, we do as your word says. We pray for our leaders. Our leaders. We pray for their souls. They need Jesus. It's totally obvious. They need Jesus. So, Father, use our brothers and sisters in Christ. I know we have brothers and sisters in Christ in high places, at the federal level, the state level, and our city level. So, Lord, use our brothers and sisters in Christ to get the gospel to these people that they might receive Jesus before it's too late. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for this season. Help us to remember at the store, in the lines, wherever we might be, to remind someone else, hey, Jesus is the reason for the season. Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.